Welcome to the Healthy Hair Podcast. Your host, Dr. Amy Brenner, is a board-certified OBGYN with additional certifications in functional and integrative medicine. This podcast is meant to help women find reliable, relevant information to help them feel better, look better, and live better. Here, you will hear in-depth information about hormones, sexual medicine, aesthetics, cosmetic gynecology, and functional medicine. Hey everyone, it's Amy Brenner, and today I got a special guest, one of our own nurse practitioners, Jessica Dayton. Welcome, Jessica. Hello. So this is actually a topic um, of something we do in our office, and usually when we talk about something that we do in our practice, um, it's hard for me to be the interviewer because I know all the answers, but this is a topic, and we're going to, so today we're going to talk about SIBO. Um We'll get to what that is, but this is something actually that I don't know a lot about. Um, years ago when we started our practice, uh, I felt like everybody needed to know everything, but then we started doing so many complicated things that people had to s- specialize. So Jessica is one of our gut experts, and so SIBO is in the gut topic. But anyway, before we... Uh, get into it. Let's just give a little bit about your background and why did you ha- have such an interest in gut health? Um, so my daughter is um, two and she started having all these gut issues. So then, um, and skin issues and started as skin. And then I realized as time went on that it was actually all related to the gut. And then after deep diving into that, I realized everything starts in the gut. And so, so if people don't even know what we're talking about when we say gut, what what are what do we even mean when we say the gut? Um, so it's really all encompassing. So your stomach and your small intestines and your large intestines, it all plays a role. Even your mouth. So yeah, everything. So basically, your whole digestive system. Yes. Hmm. And so, um, so it's not just about eating food and pooping. Nope. So nope. Okay. Um. So what kind of issues? What did your daughter have with her gut? Um, she actually had a candida overgrowth. Like what symptoms was she having? She has horrible eczema. Um, and then she, her skin was turning like this weird color and I couldn't really figure it out. None of the doctors could. So I took her to a functional medicine doc and we did a stool test and they found that she had this candida overgrowth and I was not really sure how giving her medicine for her gut was going to fix her skin. Yeah. So that might be like, we might have to backtrack there because if you're listening to this as a patient, you'd be like, wait, wait, wait. Like I didn't hear abdominal pain, bloody stool, constipation, diarrhea. I heard her symptoms were skin related, but you fixed it by dealing with the gut. Yep. So how, how do you make that jump? Yeah. So um, there was actually nothing wrong. She actually had like she was never constipated. She always had like bowel movements. They weren't weird. There's nothing weird about it. Um, but the when I took her to the doctor, they saw she had some um, malnutrition. She wasn't getting like her vitamin B and D and all these other things. So I was supplementing and they saw she wasn't absorbing it. Uh, so and they treated her and then she takes all of her supplements now and she absorbs them. So her skin is much, much better. So that's what made you interested in gut health or what actually made you interested in functional medicine with uh, you really like gut health. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, let's get to our topic of SIBO. 
What is SIBO? S-I-B-O. Yes. So it stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So it's not a pathogenic um, infection. It's just an overgrowth of bacteria that was already there. It was either already in the large intestines and it moved up from there. It was in the small intestines and it overgrowth. Um, so it's the normal bacteria that's supposed to be there, but it's either in the wrong place or too much of it in the right place. Yes, exactly. And then that damages the small intestines. So you don't absorb things like you're supposed to. Um, and then, but usually with SIBO, that is one you'll definitely have abdominal symptoms with. That is yeah. not one. Yeah. So what are the typical, how would somebody know if they possibly had SIBO? What are the symptoms or signs? The main thing is triggered with food. So it's bloating. Um, you can actually have constipation or diarrhea. You can have both. Um, you can actually have IBS. People, a lot of people that have IBS, 60 to 70 percent actually have SIBO. That's the cause of it. You can have malnutrition. And um, for some reason, you know, you take all these supplements and your vitamin B won't go up and you don't know why. And it's because there is bacteria in your small intestines where all your absorption is supposed to happen. So you can't absorb anything. So somebody that just says, oh, I've been constipated for years. Um, we, I hear that from a lot of people like, oh, well, that's normal for me to have a bowel movement once a week. Yeah. A lot of people think that their norm is normal. But if you eat every day, you should poop every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the analogy that I give when I hear pe people tell me like, that's normal. I only have a bowel movement once a week. Like, like our body needs to detoxify or, quote, take out the trash, end quote. So if you're not taking out the trash by having a bowel movement every day, like imagine what your house would be like if you didn't take out the trash on a regular basis. Like that would not be good for your house. It would start smelling. You'd start getting maggots and rats. Like so imagine the analogy of what happens when you're not pooping on a daily basis. Yes. Like, yeah. So constipation can be a sign. Diarrhea can be a sign. Just abdominal pain or IBS. Like again, mm -hmm. in traditional medicine, when somebody's given a, they're basically said, okay, well, here's IBS. Here's a, here's a prescription for Bentil. Yeah. And that's just putting a bandaid on the symptoms. Yeah. Yes. Because the body is trying to tell you that there's something wrong. And so instead, we're just turning the alarm off yeah. and not listening to what's going on. Do you have to have all these symptoms before you would consider a diagnosis of SIBO? No, you don't have to. I'd say the most common is bloating after eating. And usually it's after eating because you eat the food and then goes through your stomach and the small intestines. So usually it's very associated. Like no matter what you eat, you have a food baby. Like you don't have to eat Chipotle to have it. You can eat a salad and you feel like you're just so bloated and you can't fit anything else in there because you're fermenting food in the small intestines a lot of times and there's no place for the air to escape. Like if you ferment in your large intestines, you obviously can pass that gas out. If you ferment in your small intestines, you can't really get any gas to go out. How do we know if somebody has SIBO? They have all these symptoms, but how do you how do you test for SIBO? So the best test is doing a breath test. So what you do is um, we give you this paper and you're supposed to do certain things um, like two weeks before, like making sure you haven't had a colonoscopy, a week before making sure you haven't taken certain supplements, and then you do um, a certain diet for a day. And then you wake up and you have been fasting all night and you breathe into these little bags and it tells us what kind of gas 
is there that's not supposed to be there. Uh, that's by drinking some sugar that you get from the pharmacy. And then every 15 minutes, you breathe into these little bags and then you send it out and we see if there's a certain gas. Different gases get different treatments. And so is this a test through a regular lab, like your traditional lab where you get regular blood work? Or is this a functional medicine lab that those tend to not be covered by insurance? So um, it can be covered, actually. So it's a trio breath test. Some insurance covers it, some don't. So it's hit or miss. But um, I'd say a good amount have been covered. Okay. Mm -hmm. What other disorders or conditions could be confused with the symptoms of SIBO. So if the test comes back negative, then then what are you thinking? What's the next step? If the test is completely negative and they don't have SIBO? Correct. So you can do a food sensitivity test. You don't want to do it beforehand because if you have a food sensitivity test and you're sensitive to all of these foods and you don't know why, that could actually just be SIBO. So it's usually good to do that afterwards just to see if maybe maybe it's just some foods that are causing it and just happens to be after you eat it. So if I heard you correctly, I'm going to interrupt you, is mm -hmm. that person that they get their food sensitivity test and they're like basically quote, sensitive, not allergic, but mm. they're sensitive or have a reaction to almost everything. You're like, what am I supposed to eat? Then that might be a tip off tip off that they have SIBO. Yep. Okay. Because everything's irritating their stomach lining. Hmm. Okay. So it might be food sensitivity. What else? Um, they, if they don't have SIBO, they could do a stool test to make sure it's not in the large intestines because sometimes it might just be a little bit confusing if it's just right on the cusp, like if there's just some dysbiosis in their large intestines. Um, the stool testing that we have, the advanced stool testing will tell us a little bit more. Hmm. Mm -hmm. What about when somebody says, well, I went to my GI and I had a colonoscopy. What are your thoughts on that for kind of looking at these disorders of food sensitivities, SIBO, the advanced uh, stool test that we do from a functional medicine standpoint? So the colonoscopy is good to make sure there's no structural issues, to make sure you don't have like diverticulitis or polyps or anything like that. Or cancer. That can, yeah. Right. Yeah. Causing there's issues. absolutely a role for that. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody needs that after age 45 to screen for colon cancer and polyps. Yep. And that's why they just moved it up because it was 50. Yep. So those are always important to do. But if they do everything and they're like, sorry, you don't, there's nothing wrong. You just have IBS. Then you want to look into SIBO because that's not 100% your cause. It could just be 60 to 70% of those people that have IBS. It's caused by SIBO. And then that way you can treat the symptoms. Yeah. How, how is it treated? How is SIBO treated? So it's treated by diet. So it's important to do the test because you have three gases and each of those gases get a little bit different treatment. They all get a similar diet, like a low FODMAP diet is what we typically do. Some do low fermentation diets. Some people do elemental diets. Um, but then you do either an antibiotic or an anti-herbal. The antibiotics that we use, um, Zyfaxin is one of them that stays in the colon. It's not like an antibiotic. You will have to worry about getting systemic and causing other issues. So, or you can always do herbals. The, um, there's, you can have hydrogen, hydrogen sulfide, and the methane. What if you don't treat it? Can it lead to other health conditions down the road? Yep. So it can definitely lead to anemias because you won't get enough iron intake. Um, and then that malnutrition can cause things like when you don't have enough vitamins, people come in complaining about hair loss. And then we check their iron and their iron is under 20. And we're like, that's what's causing it. And they don't know why. So yeah, where you're taking all this iron and you just can't get your iron up or yeah. 
other nutrients as well. Mm-hmm. Leaky gut. A lot of people have heard of that. So it can cause leaky gut because you're damaging your stomach lining. All righty. Anything else people should know about SIBO? Um, so it's important that to know that it can come back. You have to treat the cause of it. So you want to make sure that even though we're treating the actual SIBO, you want to make sure you don't want to get the reasons that it happened in the first place. Sometimes that's food poisoning, can be constipation. Preventing all of those will help it prevent from coming back because you're kind of susceptible for it to come back. So by having constipation, you're predisposing yourself for developing SIBO. Yep, because it can go from that large intestines into that small intestines. What are the other um, causes of why somebody would get SIBO? Um, A big one they found is food poisoning. You might not even realize that you had it because it messes with the migrating motor complex. So basically, the stomach is supposed to push stuff out and it can't. The intestines are supposed to push it out and then it halts and it stops. So then it causes a backup. And that's a big thing that food poisoning can cause. I thought food poisoning usually get diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you actually get these different things that mess with the the migrating motor complexes later on. So it's like an after effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not acute food poisoning, but after the effect. After you've treated the food poisoning. So the pathogen's no longer there. It's not the actual food poisoning that's like overgrowing. It's that it's messed with how your stomach is supposed to be functioning. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else people should know? Can you treat this at home by yourself? So it'd be hard because we wouldn't know which gas you have. Um, but there are things you can do to like help a little bit, making sure you're like actually spacing out your food to getting that time for the stomach to push things out. There are foods you can avoid, like ferment, like high fermentation foods, but you don't want to do that forever because then you'll get malnutrition from cutting out food for a long time. So a lot of people come in and they're like, yeah, I avoid almost every food group. Like I don't eat really anything. And that's another reason why they just have malnutrition because they've cut everything out, which you don't want to do. Yeah. Or people that have been said, well, I did this food sensitivity test and the only thing I can eat are these three things. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a problem. Yes. Yep. That's not actually, that's just another like Band-Aid. They're not actually fixing the problem. Mm -hmm. Just avoiding what's going on. All right. This was so helpful. Hopefully now you know the ABCs of SIBO, SIBO. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Her. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and the web. Go to www.dramybrenner.com to learn more. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute as medical advice, the practice of medicine, nursing or other healthcare services. No patient-physician relationship is formed. The information in the podcast and any references, material or links are at the sole discretion of the listener and not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Listeners should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical issues or diagnoses that they may have and should seek medical advice from their healthcare provider for any such conditions.